0: Um, And our goal is basically to realize this concept that we've created called the atomic economy. And this is just, you know, my my way of kind of creating a narrative and mental model for, you know, what it would actually be like to represent hyper Bitcoinization or a future world where we actually broke free from, you know, uh, you know, having government regulations control the economy having big tech control our data and having big banks control our assets and so if we actually ended up in that world what would it actually look like
1: chatting with the greatest minds in the bitcoin space this is a bitcoin audible chat what is up guys welcome back to the show this is bitcoin audible and i am guy swan the guy who has read more about bitcoin than anybody else you know we have got we've got an awesome chat for you guys today i know i've been i was thinking about it all last week um and uh so excited to have john carvalho on the show you know him as bitcoin error log uh he is uh, Bitcoin OG and Cypherpunk. He's built some incredible stuff in this space. And uh, previously he was the CCO of, uh, at BitRefill. He has a really good podcast called The Biz, actually. Um, you should check that out. I have the link in the show notes. Um, they have a really interesting model for... Uh, it's called a crowd wall. And essentially the listeners pay a certain amount to unlock the episode but everybody gets access to it after it's paid for. So it's a really kind of cool little model for, rather than just a strict paywall for each user, um, the most devoted listeners will contribute and then unlock the episode, and then everybody else can get it for free, and there are no ads. Um, but uh, interesting little model, It's a, and it's a good podcast. Guy recommends. Uh, but he is also, John Carvalho is also now the CEO of his new project, this company called... Synonym, and this is the most ambitious thing to date that he has done in Bitcoin, or as he says. Um, and if there is a short list of the highest potential projects in Bitcoin that are entirely focused on privacy, sovereignty, censorship resistance, and the the idea of redefining how we can use the tools of Bitcoin and Lightning. To redefine the structure of the web, how we interact, and how we create networks, Synonym might be at the top of that list right now for me. I am really excited about what they are building, and uh, we get all into we get into all of this with a two-hour rip for today's show. And I think this is really important in contrast to the quote-unquote Web three. Shitcoins everywhere, uh, centralized APIs, uh, and everything built in crypto, which I think is entirely the wrong approach and essentially destined to fail. That's why I called this episode, Will the Real Web3 Please Stand Up? Um, I think that's what, even though we don't really talk about that term, a whole lot of things mentioned like a couple of times, but that is really what we're talking about here. How do we have user-controlled identities and authentication, user-controlled data from the start, user-defined webs of trust that replace the top-down externally controlled structures that we have today. And the core of that vision, the holy grail as Carvalho actually refers to it, is putting a public-private key pair into the hands of millions of users. And Bitcoin has done that work for us it has accomplished the dream of cypherpunks that they'd hoped for for decades. So how does that change the game for the real Web3? You guys are going to love this episode. Um, uh, Before we get into it real fast, let's thank our amazing sponsors of Bitcoin Audible. We have the Bitcoin 2022 conference. This is the Bitcoin conference. I think uh, prices go up here in like a week or so, so do not forget to get your tickets. Ten percent off with code Guy Swan. Link in the show notes to take you right there. Then we've got the place for Bitcoiners to buy Bitcoin. Swan Bitcoin. SwanBitcoin.com/guy. There's actually some really exciting stuff coming out. Uh, I think. Within a week or so, so hopefully um, I'll be able to announce that. But I think this is actually really, really cool, um, and you'll actually get to it through my referral page. So remember that swanbitcoin.com/guy. Then of course the fold card, the fold debit card where you get Sats back on everything in life, twenty percent discount with code Bitcoin Audible. Link in the show notes, and lastly the Bitbox O2 where you keep all of your Bitcoin, all of your sats safe, and they as well are offering all of the knots a discount. All of this is right in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. With that, let's get into today's chat with John Carvalho. Will The Real Web 3 please stand up? Uh, dude, welcome to the show. I want to say thank you for my mic. I have very much enjoyed it it has been a wonderful thing and uh i had been putting off getting this mic for a very very long time and uh it was a wonderful gift and i will i will always remember it and i will always love my stickers given (laughs) to me by john carvalho
0: (laughs) well it was really cool meeting you and you seem you and your brother seem like such nice guys and at the time i was having this like uh almost like a personal guilt for like really knowing that that crypto economics book was like something I should have probably already read three times, but I, I, but I hadn't read yet. And like, I know like how much I like respect Eric Voskul and his opinions and his perspectives on being rational about Bitcoin. I'm just like, I know the only way I'm going to actually consume this content is if I get it into audio format. And if I'm going to get this content into audio format, it's probably going to be through guy. And so let me just like, let me just put this energy into the world and make it happen. And it worked. It just didn't work the way I thought it would. (laughs) (laughs) how <laughs> it is you put you put it out
1: there in the universe and then it comes back at you not in the form that you weren't expecting right yeah
0: yeah and i am already like i don't know three quarters of the way through of listening to max's version of it mm-hmm. and it's perfectly acceptable i, I can't yeah. complain you know like yeah yeah it's, it's, it's what i needed and I, I felt bad saying yeah you do it too guy like it just it just didn't feel necessary. i was
1: two chapters in and like max had hit me up because we had talked about it on twitter and and he was like by the way dude i'm like almost done i was like oh shit should we do this <laughs> twice? Is that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, I have been meaning to get you on the show for, well, for a number of other reasons. Uh, but now that you have started into synonym and all of this stuff, uh, this is something that I'm deeply fascinated by. I'm not sure if you noticed the the what I named this little group, the real Web three. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh uh jesus christ there is a there is a huge need for something like 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 this has been something that's kind of been eating at me for a long time since I started thinking about all of it really since even before Bitcoin and it seems like that's been the case with you that this has been brewing for a very very long time uh as a a project that's viable and like could really push privacy and I guess self-hosting—that's not really the word. Um, security, self-sovereignty, I guess, really really, yeah, yes, I guess. self-sovereignty. Um, but really, just the sense of security of control that the person has over their place in the digital world. Um, and uh, you know, before we like really hardcore dive into it, let me just you know do your introductions. I'm sure everybody knows who you are, but just in case, uh, who the hell is John Carvala? <laughs>
0: sure sure uh, yeah my name is John Carvalho I'm CEO at synonym um, synonym is not my first foray into doing a kind of Bitcoin project but it is probably the one that I think matters most and is the most full-fledged effort that I've made so far to kind of contribute to the Bitcoin space by actually producing something and building something um, and our goal is basically to realize this concept that we've created called the atomic economy and this is just you know my my way of kind of creating a narrative and mental model for, you know, what it would actually be like to represent hyper Bitcoinization or a future world where we actually broke free from, you know, uh, you know, having government regulations control the economy having big tech control our data and having big banks control our assets and so if we actually ended up in that world what would it actually look like and so i spent a lot of time kind of trying to model that and like decide what the actual like products and technology that were needed to exist and i just wanted to actually have this, this one company at least one company in the bitcoin space that was seriously dedicated to showing how you could just only use bitcoin and no other blockchains and including no side chains and things like that. And I wanted to demonstrate that. And so I think that um, we've come up with, you know, by eliminating all of the bad options and and adopting design principles that like require, you know, rationale to be able to justify them. I think we came up with like, Basically, hopefully the only right way to do this on on various levels, including like Web3 tokens, things like this, like always trying to focus on what the actual utility is and how these things complement and work together.
1: Nice. So what's the background? When did you start thinking about this before we get into what it is exactly? Um, But uh, where did this start?
0: So it depends on what which facet you mean. But I would say like on the Bitcoin side, you know, I, I've been in Bitcoin for uh, about nine years now. And, you know, so that that's when it technically started. Um, but, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I, I do a lot of thinking about Bitcoin or a lot of kind of, you know, trying to discover how it actually works, what the dynamics actually are in like a economical or physics or, you know, sense to 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 actually respect what's going on and what it's good for, what it can't do, what it can do to try to understand it, to be able to like help other people understand it and apply it. And so, you know, my interest in applying Bitcoin didn't come till much later from when I actually started using it and trading it and things like this. But, you know, in the past few years and, and, you know, really a lot when I was working at BitRefill that I really start thinking, okay, like, I'm starting to understand this in deeper ways. And I think I can actually start applying this in ways that other people don't realize it can be applied. And I, I just really got this like desire to 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 demonstrate this and show people like, look, you really can do it. You really can. <laughs> you know, and uh but the the kind of difference with our company, maybe with other Bitcoin companies, is we are trying to show web use cases, not just Bitcoin, you know, economic you know use cases but we're trying to show how you like in order to create an alternative economy based on bitcoin you also need a lot of uh kind of best practices and technology to be in place for how you use the web um, and right now that narrative is kind of polluted by blockchains and shit coins that want to have a narrative of this web three concept. And the web three concept is basically just like a bastardization of what used to be known as web 3.0. And it's just the idea of kind of going back to having a user centric web that includes the, uh, and it pretty much requires, uh, to have a user centric web includes the concept of like the semantic web and just this way of actually, you know, addressing metadata about digital uh, you know endpoints and content within the web so this way people can kind of work together to find what they're looking for you know trade for what they're looking for pay for what they're looking for etc without the need of central authorities without the need of a central you know dns you know authority without, you know domain authorities without you know having to trust google for everything etc how do you remap all of that to the user base instead of the way it is today. And I think that, you know, that for me started uh, probably 12 to 14 years ago. I don't remember exactly um, back when I was doing my marketing and branding firm and making websites for a lot of small business businesses. um, I got to know very intimately SEO and, you know, search engine marketing and things like this, like how to optimize your website with Google. And that really started me like... Really started making me think about how to solve problems that were, I didn't know it back then, very related to semantic web problems that were trying to be solved. Like my experience, actual experience in the kind of decentralized web world really only started when I started Synonym and I didn't actually have, I had to do a lot of research to kind of catch up but now I feel a lot more confident than, than back then. And yeah, as far as when, how it all started, you know, with Bitcoin, that's my history. And then with, with web stuff, my history was more on the side of like making websites and, and doing search engine marketing for them. But I kind of combined that knowledge and, you know, the ways that I, what I thought, we, we would need to do to fix it, to fix Google. I combined that those efforts and those ideas with the ideas that I've picked up about Bitcoin into this kind of new ecosystem concept, uh, called that, you know, the atomic economy, as I mentioned. Nice. So
1: I listened to, uh, your episode with, uh, uh, on tales of the crypt and then on the bit refill, I felt like I got a lot more out of it from the bit refill episode. Um, and what's funny is that when I talked about this, uh, I think I was at one of the conferences. Where was I? It was at a bar outside. Where the hell was I? Um, I don't know. One of the conferences, maybe TabConf. I don't know. But I spoke with somebody about it, and uh, they had talked with you at some point, and there was, there was some word going around that, like, okay, John is building this thing, and it seemed like the consensus on what what it was that you were trying to accomplish was a really important like it seemed like a big deal but b nobody could really explain what it was (laughs) and like like trying to put a picture as to what the whole after the pieces are put together what is it was difficult now i want to lay out I want you to lay me out the foundation of like the basic pieces. Like I know slash tags is kind of at the heart of a lot of this. Um, But uh, lay out what those basic pieces are and then we'll try to start putting together an image, uh, hopefully, of what this, this thing is.
0: So I'm not surprised of your story because honestly, you know, and also not surprised about you thinking that the. Brit refill interview was more digestible or more useful than the tftc one um this is no criticism of uh it's because marty's Marty. an idiot you know, <laughs> no it really isn't it, it's that literally like every month I get better at describing you know what we're trying to do in a more concise way and in a more digestible way because I get to see how people react and what they respond to what parts they have trouble understanding what part they don't and this goes back two years you know like I, I started this nearly two years ago you know in stealth mode and I had it was just me alone trying to like come up with this mental model of the you know the future of Bitcoin and fill in all the gaps and, you know, if you had asked me to explain it to you in 2020 and 2021 and, you know, every, every three-month period, you would get a much different answer because I was also <laughs> learning as well. Um, and so at this point, I have a lot more confidence than I used to, but it's still not easy. Um, and so to answer your question as far as, like, what, what are the fundamentals here of what we're doing, basically, I would say... We're trying to show how, you know, if you have Bitcoin as an actual, you know, self-sovereign, you know, money base, a store of value base, that you can actually, you know, do all of the use cases that shit coins promise and things like this without extra blockchains, like I mentioned already. Um, But that in order to have this, you do need like specific things at minimum to be in place to have an actual alternative economy that people can opt into and opt out of the legacy economy. And what I came up with is like, you know, you need some very core things like you need a wallet, you know, you need some some sort of toolkit or tool belt where you can, uh, you know, place everything and have as a home base for your assets. And you need a server, you know, you need some way to serve data and some, some way to provide resources to the network and your peers, and you need some platforms, you know, you need like a, a web platform to be able to like have a front end for serving this data and interfacing with the data and interfacing with people on the network. Um, and you need you know things like social media. And then the way that we kind of figured out to glue all this together and like as, as a primitive was that we felt that um, the web of trust model was the, the appropriate thing. It was the way to kind of fix the web and the way to accomplish these Web3 use cases as far as like how to glue all of this together. Um, and the web of trust concept is not something a lot of people are familiar with. And I have a feeling that like on first blush, when people hear that term, they probably think something different than what it actually is. Um, but it is the accurate name for it. And it is something that has existed as a concept for a very long time. It's just never really been applied on a product level before. And that's something we're trying to demonstrate is now that we have, um, everybody actually having an app that has key management in it, you know, like a Bitcoin wallet, uh, you know, this this way of managing public-private key pairs. Um, this has kind of been a whether they knew it or not, a holy grail that web, you know, decentralized web people have been searching for because we never really got off the ground with people using PGP for security and signing keys. There are some specific use cases where you'll see people doing that, like signing, you know, their their software output so you can verify that it's the same code and this kind of thing, like en- encrypting it this way so they have yeah. proofs. Um, and that's, that's still really a about tiny
1: it. little corner. You, you, like, like the number of people who even do that, like sometimes I'll get frustrated trying to be like, God, wait which signature is it that I'm trying to to verify mm-hmm. um, like, and it seems like such a simple thing that should have been around for a very long time to just like be able to prove that you got the right piece of software um, and uh, we still just totally rely on the Apple store to do it for us and you know um, but yeah like that's probably the only place that I know of and you know SSL is encryption on the web but it's not like the user has a PGP key to to do anything with that. You know, like it's just done for them by the server.
0: Well, in the end, if you actually represent yourself as a key, it means you always have agency to represent yourself, you know, mm-hmm. in a self-sovereign way. And, and, and then you can require that of your peers as well. And so, you know, the idea here is... In its most basic form, the Web of Trust is just simply a model for applying, you know, using keys to represent accounts or, or, or endpoints or entities or people, you know, anything that you want to anchor some information to. And so, what we've done is we've taken the concept of Web of Trust, um, and I actually should explain it better. Web of Trust isn't just about using keys, it's about attaching metadata to keys. And the way that um, that's been implemented in the past has simply been to have a centralized database and that database, you know, it it may be shared publicly. So that way you can keep people honest at least, but it's still centralized and people just basically assign metadata to the keys inside of it in some way. Um, The simplest example and most relevant probably to your listeners will be, uh, the bitcoin OTC web of trust and which is still alive and you can still search it on Google it's nowhere near as as popular or used if used at all anymore but it does still exist and this is what bitcoiners oh. used to trade bitcoin before exchanges is existed and basically you would register you know a pgp key or a bitcoin key or both <laughs> with the database and then you could assign ratings to anybody else in the database. And when you when you when you create when you submitted a rating, it would actually be signed by you. So now you're putting your reputation on the line about your comment about somebody else's you know reputation in trading Bitcoin peer to peer. And they had like a point score system of minus ten to plus ten and anywhere in between. And this established a way for you to create you know, a primitive web of trust, you know, people that you have assigned positive or negative score to, and then the ability to kind of transitively, you know, decide how much, how much trust you want to weight to the people that those people trust. So like, if I trust you plus 10, then you trust your brother plus 10, then I might assign like a transitive trust of that. I will give everybody a 50% value, you know, for the people that you value. And mm-hmm. so you can kind of go and you have like this kind of confidence or distance from you and how much you want to trust people. And you can use this as a filtering mechanism, both in the metadata sense, like categorically, and in the quality sense, like the scores, but also in the access control sense, like permissions. And so, if you think of these three dimensions about metadata, but and then now you have the ability to actually assign them to keys, you can actually recreate the whole entire web this way. And you just have to think of these these dimensions as a schema. And so, every time, so in slash tags, which is our kind of web of trust uh, system that we're creating in slash tags, everything is represented by a key. But every time you're communicating keys and attesting things, you are having to, you know. Also assign which schema you are using, and this schema tells your peer, you know, basically what framework you're using to form metadata about what you're talking about, and so you can use it for ratings, categorization, uh, in anything that you would apply metadata to, which is pretty much everything in the web. Um, yeah. But also <clears throat> you can use it as as your permissioning system, as your access control, so you can decide who gets these things and what threshold of, say, they need to reach to be able to access these things. The threshold could be anything from that they've paid for it. And you've noted that that key has paid for it. And so now they have permanent access or temporary access Um, or that you trust them enough. Like if you've assigned this file to only be accessible by somebody you've designated as family, then if they can prove they have a key from someone you designate as family, they have access to that data or just to access your network at all, you know, to access say your website or a private, but essentially each schema is like a private mutual network that you have to be able to one, support the schema to even know it exists and be a part of it. And then two, have the other peers in that network actually trust you enough to include you in their piece of that network. And so it breaks down the whole web into a place that is starts from the user instead of starts from the, you know, a master server that everybody's congregating on.
1: All right, let's take a quick break right here and talk about Bitcoin 2022. I will be there, absolutely, you should be there too, send me a message, I will do what I can to meet everyone that uh, uh, hits me up at the conference, might set aside some sort of time where we just hang out with the crew, Um, this year is going to be batshit crazy, literally Miami is going to be conquered by Bitcoiners for the first couple of weeks of April, Uh, you do not want to miss it and get a 10% discount on your tickets with code guy swan and that concludes includes the whale pass tickets or the uh, conference the the concert tickets or the general admission tickets whatever discounts are critical they save you sats anything that saves you sats is something that cares about you deeply i care the discount code cares i don't know open (laughs) use spend fewer sats come hang out at the most insane bitcoin conference out there Exit clown world, enter Bitcoin at the Bitcoin 2022 conference. Huge thank you to Bitcoin Magazine, seriously, for putting this on. They have, they've really kind of cemented themselves in a part of history with this. It's, it's really kind of incredible. Um, But I will see you there. Again, 10% off with code GuySwan. With that, let's jump back into our chat with John Carvalho.
0: And so it breaks down the whole web into a place that is starts from the user instead of starts from the, you know, a master server that everybody's congregating on.
1: Yeah. The way I've been thinking about it and let me know if, if this, if this applies here um, is that uh, like the analogy that came to mind when I was listening to you on the bit refill podcast was um, basically pulling things from a a top down place, and moving it to a individual out. Um, and much like the free market versus central planning, you know, because there was like, um, like a lot of people talk about, like, oh, so we're like rating each other. And we're keeping you know metadata and records and stuff like it sounds like a surveillance system. But I think people are missing the point of why large centralized surveillance systems are wrong or or why they're a problem because these are all things that we do in our life all the time. Like not only not only are these things that we do in our life all like constantly, but they're critical. They're critical to actually having a social circle. I need to know that okay I trust John, but I don't I don't really don't trust Bob. Like he's he's a friend and I hang out with him from time to time. But you know I'm not gonna give him a key to my house just in case you know something goes wrong. I just I don't trust Bob. Like these it's a way to formalize that in the digital space, but the key, the the key to the self sovereignty of it, of the uh, quote unquote decentralized nature of it, so that it is actually what's happening in real life, where I am able to decide who my friends are and who I trust and who I associate with and who I share information with, is that it's based on my decisions. It's 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 from me outward. So much like the free market versus uh, top-down control, it's not that the institutional design is wrong in from a top-down control position. It's that none of the values of any of the participants apply because there's a giant single central institution trying to control everything. So there's only one brain that can manipulate and cause problems for the entire system whereas the free market is all of the individuals being able to put their value incrementally into every single trade and not have it negated by somebody at the top who just decides oh these millions of people are just going to kind of be erased from economic importance because i printed a trillion dollars and it's the same way when you're talking about giant systems of control and surveillance is that once you when you have one giant apparatus of surveillance? They're just looking down, and they can they can get records on everybody. They know all of the connections and all of the metadata, and they're the ones who can control. They're the ones who can evict people from society by giving them by manipulating the ratings or corrupting the architecture, and not even telling you how they're rating, uh, uh, like weighting people. You know, they're the arbiters of what is how to value whether or not somebody is good or bad. Like you and I might not value. I might not care uh, in rating our friends or family on who wears a mask and who doesn't. But if it's top down from the government, well, you might just get evicted from the digital network if you don't wear a mask. It's not our values anymore. It's theirs being forced on us. And this is a way to move it back to a location where you actually evict people from your network based on your values so that society can actually be a collection of individuals. Rather than just a central place where somebody is decided, Amazon is deciding how we relate to each other, or who has a rating, or which product you see at the top of your page. Um, And this is potentially reforming the foundation so that we can build up and not need those central institutions to do this, that we can do this from our computers and our digital space is...
0: Yeah. I mean, I I pretty much agree with everything you're saying. I I would say, you know, maybe to steel man this a little bit, you know, I have had some people that have like come poking at the ideas and trying to like paint the worst version of them. And, uh, you know, what I try to explain to them is it's like, oh, like, isn't this dystopian? Couldn't this turn into like a global credit system? Or isn't this like even worse than what we have now where we're going to have, you know, all these privacy problems? Or isn't this bad where like people are going to be able to like spam and, and fake their reputations and create like Sybil attacks. And what I try to explain to them is that we're not enabling anything that people couldn't already do with the internet. Like these are network properties that they're concerned about. They're not Mm -hmm. properties of slash tags or the web or anything special. It's just simply networks work this way. You know, you can't contact a peer without contacting a peer without knowing how to find yeah, them, knowing yeah. where they are, knowing some information about them. And then you can't interact with a peer without generating metadata. And you can't use relays to a peer without generating even more metadata. And so metadata essentially is privacy. The more metadata you create, the less privacy you have, the, you know, the more Breadcrumbs you leave essentially, and mm-hmm. this is why I have some you know philosophies about various privacy methods that I don't agree with because they create more metadata than it would be just to contact the peer directly, and I don't I don't really like those forms. Um, but you know what what I'm trying to get at is, uh, we're just trying to map out the spectrum of and give the user the actual opportunity. To have, be in control from the start. We're not trying to create new things that are dangerous. Like people say, oh, what if people use slash tags to create private networks to do illegal things? And I say, well, what if people use the internet to do that or any network? Like, <laughs> uh, it, it's like, like You've heard I, of the I'm dark not creating yet, right? crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, if, yeah, like, and I try like to that wasn't them.
1: possible yesterday. <laughs>
0: people are already doing that right now, and you just yeah. have no clue about it. This is just making a system that is more interoperable and gives people a format by default that allows them if they choose to manage their own metadata to to manage their own permissioning and access to their data and the most important thing to remember is the biggest difference between what we're doing and what people try to do with the web today is that everything is try- they're trying to have it be global and so there's no way to have global global surveillance or authority in this system. You can't monitor how people are using slash tags because you have to actually be part of their network and part yeah. of their sub networks. They have to agree
1: to give it to you, basically.
0: Right. Essentially, every schema is a new network and you can have hundreds and thousands of schemas that you support as a user. And there can be other users that have no idea about any of them and that uh, mm-hmm. have no access to them, have never heard of these schemas and have never even known you exist on any network. And. That doesn't but you can this is compatible with how people already use the web. Like you can still do things like have a centralized website where every, you know all slash tags users submit their data so it can be publicly hosted in order to achieve something like a decentralized social media platform, for example. It's just that the data and where it comes from, so like if you had a decentralized Twitter, the data at first is generated by the user, stored by the user locally, encrypted and signed by the user, and then it is submitted to a platform. And that platform acts as a kind of a redundant host of data instead of an owner and a walled garden of data. And so this allows us to have interoperable platforms, actual dApps, you know, things that are just there as rendering engines, rendering platforms. And the user gets to decide how to use these schemas, how to weight these schemas to filter the Internet, to kind of do this inverse Kind of Google search algorithm so they can define their own you know priorities and make sure they're connected and matching with the information they're looking for
1: yeah the the way I uh, think about it in comparison to so like the realm of what's possible or what kind of environment it would create in the digital sphere um, uh, if something like this was widely adopted in the fact that you talk about like you know you could only share one of a thousand schemas with somebody in some very explicit purpose or for some very explicit thing or uh, uh, I guess maybe niche that you want to be part of this network over here, but otherwise they may, ne- may never even know you exist or um, may never be a part of your network or circles is that, well, oh, it sounds like some terrible, dangerous thing, but it is literally what life was like before all of these networks. Like that's what life was like in the physical world. You yeah, know, well, sometimes we joke that web
0: work? 3.0 is web 1.0, just doing it properly, like going yeah. back to back yeah. then, and wh- how we could have done it. Like, <laughs> like I said, in the BitRefill podcast, like, uh, nobody hosts their own email anymore. There's not really Damn. that good of a reason for it. Like, the amount of email most people get is not that high volume, and they could really host it themselves, but they don't that just became too free and too convenient to just trust Google with absolutely everything. Then Google, because they were trusted, found some really like useful ways to kind of leverage all of this data that they had about you to give you conveniences. And we just got used to it. But at this point, like in my life, like. I don't really need what Google is providing me anymore. Like, you know, the, nobody is really like using Google to like research that much. It's just, you just look for this automatic response and you're always just serving the most popular thing. But why can't I decide how to weight things in a search return? Why can't mm-hmm. I decide, you know, like why does it have to be a big mystery? What Google search algorithm is? What if I want to do a special kind of search where I want to prioritize doctors that I trust or, uh, you know, you know, for if i want to find out the truth say about covid and covid you know data and and like if we had webs of trust in place we would actually have like structures trust structures and frameworks for reputation where we would actually have like some some good ability to know who is likely to be telling the truth who is likely to be lying what people's incentives are who their trust work networks are and if i want to be involved with these people at all at the moment we're kind of all just shooting from the hip and just kind of and this required this makes us uh, use our biases then more than our logic to decide who to trust because we have to use like crude mechanisms we have to say like how many followers does this person have on twitter yeah. And you know like does that make them trust more trustworthy does that make them more successful i have no idea because i can go and buy a hundred thousand followers and make my account look legitimate in a week like yeah. it's like it, 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 you Blue have to have some filtering yeah yeah <laughs> You have to have some way of actually filtering by quality, and you have to be able to define what quality means. And that's what yeah. that's what's part of what Slash tag seeks to accomplish. And then there are just a bunch of, like, use cases within once you have this framework, if you actually use the web this way and actually use accounts this way, well, then there's a lot of other cool stuff you can do that um, really shows how, like, you know, the web kind of 3.0 use cases and the decentralized web use cases and how this really complements everything that we want to be true about Bitcoin and how Bitcoin will affect the digital economy at least. Gotcha.
1: So I want to push back on this at this point because everything about this idea conceptually is fascinating to me. And it's been something that I've felt like should be a key part of the internet's future. Like that that's the whole Point of quote unquote cyberspace it's been kind of the cypherpunk vision of individual autonomy and control over your digital self but it hasn't happened like it's been possible for a very long time but still people don't use PGP keys and like even, even my you know GPG tools and my like set of keys it's really just kind of annoying to use um, so why what is it about this time or the way that you are hoping to build it that will change this?
0: So I, I, I joke with my team regularly and they pro- they're probably sick of hearing it, but I like to say that the, the kind of decentralized web industry is just riddled with failure. Like I agree with you. Like, you know, we we've literally decades of people working on semantic web concepts, you know, self-sovereign identity concepts, DIDs. You even have Microsoft Ion which which I think came out, you know, a good, I don't know, 3 plus years ago, which got pretty is much it actually usable. <laughs> <laughs> this I didn't is uh maybe a separate, separate it's it's released it works there are various you know mechanisms that they're adding to it it is no longer a microsoft specific concern because the lead on the project now works at square or, or block i guess they're called now um, mm-hmm. and so he's part of that tbd team and they're trying to see how they can leverage the self-sovereign identity concept to do a decentralized uh, exchange use case which in in function is not that much different than trying to do something like slash Tags and, and the kind of you know, self-sovereign web of trust you're trying to do, it's just a much different you know, design that they're choosing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, sorry, I, I went off on a tangent and I lost where I was going. Uh, you, oh, so you were talking about you know, how, how the, why would this work? You know, what is my strategy for actually thinking that mm-hmm. this will work now when it hasn't worked for decades? Um, I mentioned one big reason earlier, which is that this is the first time we actually have a significant user base caring about keys at all. Um, And that really is the first step, you know, you, if you can't manage keys. You, you can't make the system. Like you, you can't, can't do have, it at all. <laughs> you know, a web of trust. You can't have. Yeah. You can't disrupt the web because you, now you have to rely on some other form of authentication that requires an authority. You know, like an email provider. You know, some way of trusting somebody to store your account for you as a default. Um, and so you need. You do need more. You need more responsibility, and you need more ability for the user to manage their own data, not just their account data, like their keys, but also just as much of their data as possible. And I think that another, you know, difference today, maybe from 20 years ago or 15 years ago, is that also a lot of people are using some form of cloud for data storage, like they have iCloud or Google Drive or Dropbox, and many, many users are also accustomed to this paradigm. And so if you you combine these two things and you say, hey, you know, like, if you don't want to pay Google 10 bucks a month anymore, or you don't want... Apple to have all of your data all the time. um, Maybe you should just set up a system where it accomplishes the same use cases, except you don't involve them. You know, you just host it yourself or you have your own, you know, server that you host remotely or somebody you actually trust hosting your data for you instead of just relying on these major, you know, kind of monopoly entities because of their cheaper and and maybe a bit more experienced at scaling. And so I, I think that, you know, the culture or the timing is better than it has been in the past. Um, and then the, the technology as far as like Bitcoin, getting people to actually store their keys is a big one that makes this more possible now. But I'll go even further and I'll say that part of the reason, I thought a lot about this, this question, you know, like I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to just make something and say, this is perfect. Why does nobody use it? You know, I'm, like, so mad I, at I'm so mad at everybody. I don't want to be. I don't want to be another Mooney that stacks. You <laughs> the <know>? future like, <laughs> is here, and everybody else is stupid. <laughs> right, right. Like you, you can't blame everybody else if you know if you are the yeah. only consistent problem. <laughs> like you know, it's just it's just not a rational way to think about it. And so I, I do think a lot about this. I do think a lot about like bootstrapping and things like this. And and another big difference I think is. I come more from a product background. I come more, I have much more interest in like adoption via business development and, Mm -hmm. you know, via and, and getting people interested in a product because it, because of why it's useful. Then about the the par- current paradigm, like with, with kind of web three on the, on the shit coin side is they're trying, they believe that if they have a token that it incentivizes things, that it gives people stake in these things. But the truth is that doesn't act, th- there's no missing piece of everything. I just, we just talked about that's like, Oh, but what are we going to do about incentivization you just vote on it <laughs> you no know, the incentivization is a reputation you know if yeah. you want to build a reputation under a specific pseudonym then you have to protect it and you have to behave in the ways that your network expects you to. And if you start misbehaving, you will start losing that reputation. So the skin in the game in web three or decentralized or web, if you don't want to be shit coiny, um, you know, it, is that you have your reputation on the line and that if you don't properly manage your pseudonyms and, and, and silos for things of relevance or through schemas or whatever, then you're just going to end up combining everything and that's okay but from a security standpoint there are issues from a privacy standpoint there are issues and so you you kind of want to show people that you know this is a time where censorship is starting to be a bit of a problem in platforms and they are starting to get a little bit egregious and you know uh uh, excessive with when they're willing to censor you and how quickly they're willing to like just take your account away and like these days like if you're saying the bit in the bitcoin space or somebody like me like losing my twitter account would be like it'd be like actually like losing a piece of my identity like yeah. i have like 50,000 followers deal. i've been using it since i don't know 2016 or something like it's part of my life it's part it's a channel that is part of my life and if i lost that it would be like cruel to take that away from me and not give me a way to to kind of re you know reform myself And this format, doing it this way, does help with that. So, a big, big difference, and I'm, you know, to finally answer your question with my last point, the big, big difference is we are putting a high priority on strategy, bootstrapping, and business development. In other words, we're not just going to make the technology, we're going to go ahead and make the applications that demonstrate and implement the technology. And our plan is to make those applications to such a serious degree that we consider them products and we consider them you know, integral to the success of our business and monetizing it. So like, for example, our wallet that also support, that our wallet will support Bitcoin, uh, Lightning, tokens on Lightning, and slash tags. And so now we have this actual product where you're going to be able to store your accounts using Bitcoin keys, but without having to use the Bitcoin blockchain at all. And we're going to have this as, this is one of the points where we're going to try to make money. We're going to end up adding the capability to buy Bitcoin in this wallet and maybe buy tokens as well in the future. And so if, if we need to make money, if this is how we survive, then I have a lot of incentive to go out there and try to convince everybody in the world to use slash tags. Everybody in the world support tokens on Lightning because it's not going to work if it's just me, if it's just Synonym, if it's just Bitfinex, if it's just Tether. We actually need to expand this outward. And so everything that we create, we're always creating with like integration partners in mind. I mean, partners isn't technically the right thing. I have to be careful. I have a very very sensitive legal team, but you know, my goal is not just to like i'm not trying to win in a product sense and make like the wallet that that that's dominant that is the only one everybody uses i want every wallet to support slash tags accounts even if it means that they do so better than us or they're more creative with it and they find new ways to apply it we are taking the time to demonstrate these products to demonstrate all the different use cases we think are the highest priority and bootstrap this whole entire concept through the the kind of uh family of companies that we represent as tether bitfinex and synonym and and, and a few others to kind of basically begin this bootstrapping process will we fail as well maybe but i can tell you one thing for sure we're not going to fail in a way that somebody else failed before you know we're we're doing it in a different way and that's that's the best that you can do is just be well researched and make a mistake that somebody hasn't made before
1: yeah yeah you know that's the That's the process of the natural evolution of society. Like every time when people tried these 100 paths and it doesn't work, but there's no reason why the thing is clearly it's possible. Clearly, this is a future that is viable. And like, so just make sure you do another one. And if you fail, well, then at least you've marked another path that doesn't work off the list. Um, But uh, I think a part of this is, like, like going back to the web, you know, the web didn't really, quote unquote, work until Mosaic, until the web browser. What does, you know, th- these are all like very new things, like web of trust, set up your schema, you have your identity. What does it look like to use it? Like, like what's, the, what's the window into this world specifically? How am I connecting to somebody without going to a website? Um is this a browser is this an in a browser experience like Let us pause for our sponsor Swan Bitcoin. So I actually just bumped up my weekly purchase of Bitcoin at Swan Bitcoin and I feel pretty good about it. That is right. I have increased the sets the sats inflow and you know i have a lot of different ways that i stack sats but swan bitcoin remains my number one it is my dominant way to buy bitcoin i love the company i love uh their they have low fees they have automatic purchases um they i'm you i use the smash buy i've used that tons of times recently anytime i just feel the moment is right for stacking just go over there and smash buy They have some of the best educational material out there. They have a truly incredible crew. Um, Some of the most devoted Bitcoiners in this space. And they are online. They are available on Twitter, on Clubhouse, all of the time to answer questions, to help out however they can. And they even have Swan Private for those who, for the high net worth individual who wants to, you know, they've never even used a hardware wallet. They want to design a retirement plan. Everything needed to secure your place in the Bitcoin future without all the stress and fear that it can often come attached to. So go through my link at swanbitcoin.com slash guy, and you're going to want to re- want to remember that because there's some really cool stuff dropping soon over there. I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, swanbitcoin.com slash guy. With that, let's get back into the show. Is this a browser? Is this an in-a-browser experience? Like. It's a very valid
0: question. It's similar to some of the stuff I was just saying, but it's still very valid in that, yes, we, we understand that you know, the dynamics of how this works and the complications and the responsibilities of managing your own preferences for a network or your own, you know, metadata for items within a network. It, it, it can be extremely daunting and extremely time consuming if you were to like give all of the power to all of the users all of the time. I don't think that would be a good approach. And that's why we're making, you know, applications with very specific use cases that kind of guide the user into using slash tags in specific ways. So when I talk about slash tags, of technology and say all the things that are possible, I, when I, when I speak that way, I'm more speaking to like developers and product designers and people that want to find opportunities to kind of help with this vision and make their own version of it. Um, But if I were talking to users and pitching them to use our products, I wouldn't be talking about all the details about how slash tags work. I would be talking about how, you know, this is, for example, like if you use slash tags accounts, you can't be middleman attacked so easily because you're using keys to authenticate. So you you can also keep track of which key the server um, is supposed to be and which key and you can control the key you have. And so you can never like type in a bad password and have your password, you know, you know taken by a key logger. It just wouldn't work. You can never be fished on like a fake version of a website because they won't have the right key to represent that website. Like, so you, you have this sort of like authentication mechanism within that, that abstracts things. Um, and so you you have some new protections they didn't have before. So I would talk about that with users as a reason to use slash tags for accounts. I would talk about how, you know, if you have slash tags contacts inside of, you know, instead of using your normal phone contacts, which is something like it's con- every app is constantly trying to, like, steal from you and use in creepy ways to collect data and get, you, get all your friends to sign up as well, you can have control of this now. And not only will it be that your contacts, like, you have them stored for convenience, but you also have them stored to add them into your own networks and webs of trust and be able to be able to pay them through this contact, through just to strictly having them in your contacts. And so you can now have ways of like knowing like which payment methods they support, how to find them on the Slash Tags Network so they can generate an invoice for you for of any type that you want to, whether it be Lightning, Bitcoin, et cetera, um, maybe even credit cards. Like you, you can abstract things as much as you want to. And so the idea here is basically, I'm not gonna put into the user's hands anytime soon, full-fledged power to like, build your own schemas, create any type of rating of any type of thing you want to, we're going to create very specific platforms for very specific schemas. So like you could say, for example, when we release our decentralized social media platform, it will be a set of schemas specifically for social media use cases. Somebody else could go and make their own set of schemas that are totally different and totally incompatible with our social media system. But if they choose, if they do choose ours, now there will be two systems using the same you know, data method, and that, that adds, now Now you have interoperability. I can sign into, you know, Synonym's website or Synonym's social media website, and I can actually submit, you know, tweets and, and download tweets in the same way that if I went to say, you know, getter or whatever if they supported slash tags and so that would make me mobile and how i could you know operate on the web i wouldn't have to be stuck to any platform and the platform would be more you know dependent on me than me dependent on the platform and the platform is sort of just like a convenient place to broadcast my data or host my data and that's it so you get kind of you remove the power of the middleman and so the idea is just I know I'm ranting a little bit, but, you know, as far as like keeping it simple for people, um, I, I would say that's why we've chosen the specific platforms we've chosen. So we're, we're, we have the wallet, which will demonstrate like accounts and contacts use cases. We'll have the publishing platform, which will demonstrate search and monetization of content use cases. And then we have the decentralized social media platform, which will just, you know, obviously demonstrate social media and kind of networking through an interface and communicating through an interface. But there are many other use cases people could focus on that we're not focusing on. Like you could do a chat, you could do a chat uh, application using slash tags and, th- and you don't need to use a lightning network to have the same type of uh, dynamics so you, you can do a, a password manager you could, you could do various different use cases and i want to basically exp- so when I, when I talk about the details i'm trying to expand people's minds to talk think about what's possible with this format to make them open-minded about giving it a try that there's a lot coming in the future and it's not just about using keys as passwords yeah <laughs> um
1: so, uh, as someone who is uh, pretty techy and uh, likes to tinker with this stuff, and has set up, you know, patchy servers on my Linux machine numerous times, I hate it. How is uh, <laughs> how is the server problem like like all of the Decentralized versions of social media that I've ever used have been very laggy. Sorry about the noise, by the way. We're put their beams being put in downstairs right now. Um, but uh how is the lag of the quote unquote decentralized model? How is the port forwarding dealt with? You know, the only thing that has gotten around the port forwarding is using Tor. And the only thing worse than using ClearNet is having to use Tor. <laughs> Or you know, connecting everything and like my my uh, lightning node behind Tor is always the slowest to respond. And about after about ten seconds, of the spinny wheel. I'm just like, Ugh, I just want to go to somewhere else. How is this problem solved with the tools that you're
0: building? So I, I don't know that the tools that we're building is necessarily meant to build meant to solve those problems. Those are broad problems, just about you know implementing things in in, okay. in a server. But I would say that you know, one, I am not. Uh, I'm maybe a little bit less techie person than you when it comes to things like this. And maybe it might be good to have, you know, the actual developer working on Slash Tags come on the show at some point and talk to you, you know, if you want to get into the weeds about it. But I'll do my best to answer and say that, you know, there will be a, a node and a server aspect to Slash Tags that you will be able to run at some point. And how easy or difficult it will be to use will depend on what stage in our development we're in. You know, at first, it will be hard. At first, it will be messy. Um, the more we work on it, and the more the easier we make it to use, the more we help other people implement it in different formats. You know, in different in different situations, the deeper and easier to use it to implement it becomes for others. Um, and and we are even and we are very sensitive to this as well. Like we're taking the time to implement slash tags into betfinex on on a staging server before we you know solicit people to, to integrate it into their own websites we want to go through the process with a you know a serious website and go through you know make sure we've implemented everything in place so that that website's comfortable using it so we can now say hey you know these are the tools that we made in this process and here's how you can implement it in your website or your application and so, you know, as far as, you know, developer tools for making it easy, that just comes with time. And it also comes with adoption. The more people use it, the more people use it. You know, the more people use it, the more people will contribute to it. The more we'll have an obligation to make it easy to use and, you know, put more resources into the people that use it. And so that, that comes with time. And then as far as like, you know, a more specific answer as to how we're solving it, we're pairing slash tags with HyperCore. And so Hypercore is already something that has received a lot of attention and a lot of development work. And you know, indirectly through through Tether, we have also invested in a company that is going to go even further in developing out Hypercore out for the years to come. And so that will be another way that like the tools will improve and things will be easier and have you know say less latency or better better ways of connecting because they're actually one of the cool things about them is they're very specialized in applied cryptography. Cryptography. This other team uh, is called Hyper Division. Although I'll, I'll disclaim, I think they have just changed their name. I just don't want to announce it yet because it might be like a thing that they want to announce. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to, you know steal their thunder. But um, they're very specialized in applied cryptography. Uh, they're very specialized in you know uh, uh, graph you know graph tables DHTs, and they're very specialized you know just in general in things like BitTorrent. Um, and so one of the very specifically cool things about it is they have a really, it took them a really long time to come up with a very effective hole punching scheme for being able to punch through networks that are not easy to connect with. And that's, so that's something that's underlying, you know, what we're, how we're the architecture of what we're using for our whole stack. And so you're going to have all of these powerful capabilities that not only slash tags has for the, categorization and and scoring and access control but you will also have these all of these networking you know capabilities that they've put into hypercore for swarming data for doing for you know hosting encrypted data for having multi-writers within hosted data and so there's going to be a lot of cool functionality within that that's being paired with all of our use cases so like when you're using slash tags you're also using hypercore
1: nice that that's specifically what I was trying to get at, because I watched a uh hypercore hyper whatever the uh, difference between the product versus the company or whatnot. Um, the uh, I watched a video, uh, and they were just, you know, bringing it up in terminal. And I, I like the way that you and I guess this is a common term, but I've never heard it before the whole punch network mm-hmm. um, of being able to get through networks because like, that's one of the biggest frustrations with all of this. Is And that's why Tor is such a great thing, even though it's got so many drawbacks in so many other ways, but that when you're hosting with Tor, you no longer have a 192.168, you know, you're not within a network, you, you actually have a Tor presence. And because you're using the Tor port, you, you're just, you can connect to, you can send and receive from anyone on the network, even though you have like a hundredth of the bandwidth as your, you know, regular connection. Um, and that's really the problem. So the fact that they're doing this, that you can just run HyperCore or have a hyperdrive, whatever it is, and then someone can just connect to you, much like BitTorrent, which has always seemed like the whole punch network that we should be using or something like it. Uh, I watched this video of um, of it being tested out or just being used, and I was kind of shocked at like, it was running on, you know, both of these compute, both terminal windows or whatever, and one of them just uh, logged in to the the drive, and it's literally just got a drive address. So it would be something that you could just as easily keep in your, maybe your slash tags app or something where you just click on it, and then boom, you're in a drive, but it's actually on somebody else's computer. Um, it's It's somebody that you've shared it with, or it's your server at home or whatever it is. And then in the other computer, like in the other screen right next to it, um, he put in a just an empty text file. And uh, first they, you know, did an ls. They they just listed what's in this folder, and it was the one file. And then they put in another file, and they l'd and immediately that other file was there. Um, now, granted, it's a very small text file. You know, it's it's not like it's m- much data, but the fact that there was essentially less than it takes to type ls and hit enter there was that little lag in the presence of access versus creation of the device or of the of the data on the drive um which i was like holy shit! okay that's a big deal that's a big deal in the context of being able to punch through those networks and have a a a connection to something that isn't like a URL specifically. It, it is, it, it's its own type of connection, much like a Tor connection is. And that it, it's just kind of a drive that is there. Like that's one of those massive problems that I feel, feel like has always had these like three barriers that the average person is just never going to cross. And if those barriers can be crossed, uh, and in a user friendly way, just right into an app or right into a, uh, uh, Program on your computer or something. I think just those two pieces, just those two pieces, are a huge fucking deal. Um, at least in the context of how I would use it, and how happy I would be to just be able to install this and install this and then start doing that. Um, so,
0: yeah, you, you you raise a few. You make me think of a few points I want to mention, which is, um, you know, when you're using, which are when you're using slash tags. Um, you're using slash eggs and you're using hypercore and when you are basically contacting a peer whether it be a contact or a website you know a friend whatever whoever it is you're essentially creating an encrypted channel by syncing over you know the hypercore network and you know uh, uh, basically a document that represents you within that network and you're creating this encrypted channel you're, you're and you're getting so you're getting the hole punching you're getting the uh, what was i going to say you're getting the hole punching. You're getting the capability of swarming, and basically the, the the qualities of a BitTorrent network, where you can have multiple people hosting the same file. And then kind of Hypercore swallows. already has this. Yes, it's it's what, Hyper, what Hypercore is is essentially a better version of BitTorrent. And so, is this it, something it, I can
1: play with now? Can I download yeah, yeah. this on my? Yeah,
0: you, you can. There's people on you know using Hypercore and their own Hypercore networks, or people hosting them. And I just wanted to mention that the the way that the files work, you know, that's different than torrents. Is the files are made out of append only logs, and these append only logs are each. They're locked by a key. So when you create a log, there's a key that owns it. So it's already complementary to slash tags. And the the log owner can assign other keys that are allowed to write to the log. And because it's a log, so now you can start creating like it's these a personally block-
1: managed blockchain.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> There's a se- it has to respect the sequence. And if you break the mm-hmm. sequence or, or re- rewrite the sequence, you automatically fork the log and it's a new copy of the log. And so if you want to host these logs, you can do so in a secure, provable way. And, you can, and if you want to have people be able to write to these logs, you can permission how they can. Everything within the log can be a file system and everything within the file system can be content addressable. So also can be expressed as keys and as URLs. And so you can basically create keys and con- and, and address points for everything within the log at any point within the log. So you can basically do this kind of... Uh, like time warp, so you don't need the whole file to do things. You can just only grab the piece of the file that is the specific thing you're looking for, and it can all be through an authenticated process through an encrypted private channel. And it can also be swarmed and hosted for redundancy. And so you have, I mean, probably some of your listeners are like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? But like,
1: <laughs> Where did we just go?
0: Also but if, space, you, but if you time care, <laughs> If you care and understand how these things interact in the dynamics, it's actually really cool and it unlocks a lot of really cool you know, use cases and flows. And then finally, what I want to say is, if you can remind me later, I'll give you a link. If you want to just get a taste of why this is cool, just just on the HyperCore alone, never mind the rest. There is a really cool demonstration that Matthias from HyperDivision did a few years ago where he he shows, he goes into the network. You know, this is like like a BitTorrent network, essentially. Mm-hmm. He finds a, a file of a virtual machine, you know, a virt- virtual machine software. He, fi- mm-hmm. he, he finds a file on the network of a movie and of VLC. And he goes in and he grabs all these things and he basically runs them locally without actually downloading the whole file of any of them. And so he basically spins up a VM a virtual machine from the network, and then he spins up and then he loads he starts playing a movie from the network and he's like he's like fast forwarding to different points in the movie and they're just automatically playing and he doesn't have the whole full file for any of these items. he's just dynamically creating the state based off of the pieces only the pieces of the file that are needed to generate the state. And it's like, it's a total, so it's, it's literally like, like, like web holy torrent. Shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's like the web torrent idea or like popcorn time. Like what they were able to do is just, you just have kind of live access to the BitTorrent network, except that you're actually able to run a virtual machine.
0: Literally. And these are the guys that made the technology that, that, that popcorn time is based on. It's the same guys. No shit. Yeah. No shit. <clears throat> huh? <laughs>
1: That's interesting. So outside of hypercore and slash tag, so this is where we start, and uh, in, in just kind of a rough experience sort of thing, you're able to connect to other people. You're using essentially your mobile phone. Like, is this a experience where you're uh, logging into services or con- contacting your other people uh, by scanning a QR code on your phone?
0: Pretty much the, the for the mobile phone, the use cases will be limited. You know, the, the mobile yeah. phone use cases are going to mostly be around authentication. We'll mm-hmm. do a, we're going to try to put a little bit of um, curation or you know metadata in there. By by adding the contacts use case, you know obviously yep. you're going to have want to have attributions to each contact, and particularly want to be able to like integrate this with a Bitcoin flow. So you're going to want to be able to like pay your contacts in some way. So you're going to have to have some sort of payment card or payment server to be able to communicate payment methods. Um, but the, the the so the wallet the mobile wallet particularly. Um, we're going to have a mobile version and we're going to have a Chrome extension version of the wallet. Um, And both of those will support, you know, the same core features, at least. There there will be differentiation, obviously, because of the formats. But um, those will mostly be doing authentication use cases when it comes to slash tags. Now in the Chrome wallet, we're probably going to add a little bit of you know, we're going to expand on that a bit because in the chrome wallet you're actually interacting with websites and these websites may be able to add you know active you know items or you know active ability to interact with the with the chrome wallet with slash tags use cases where you may want to be able to like rate things on the fly or you know link to things from the the legacy web and be able to attribute you know metadata to them and so we have some ideas about how we'll expand on things in the in the browser format. But yeah, for the wallets, it's mostly for authentication use cases. And so when you'll start seeing more reputation and, and curation and permissioning use cases will be when we do the web platforms. And so the web platform, for example, the first web platform, um, I, and I apologize, each of these products will have their own names. We're just in, in registration legally, so I can't use all the names yet. Yeah, <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> but they'll each have their own brands and names. And that's another strategic thing is that we're not trying to say, hey, use Synonym Wallet, use Synonym Web, use Synonym Node. We're trying to say, these are all separate products with separate use cases and somebody may come into our ecosystem from any, you know, doorway. It might be because they want to be able to monetize their podcast or maybe because they want to, you know, use decentralized social media and take advantage of the new things you're able to do when it's truly decentralized like or maybe because they want to have tokens on Lightning and that's why they use our wallet. Like we want everybody to have any entry point appropriate to them and then kind of introduce them to the rest as they go
1: right so you brought up uh in this and this is something i wanted to uh, get to is lightning how is like in your wallet the wallet that you're uh, going to have as a product um and what's also what's kind of the rough timeline on this is this is this something that's like right on the horizon here or we just have slash tags coming first like this is a super
0: rough timeline and so I, i want to disclaim that for sure because a lot of things we're working on are dependent on some cutting edge technologies. For example, like with mm-hmm. Omnibolt for the tokens, like Omnibolt is currently undergoing a professional audit to try to make sure it's safe and make sure there are no major problems and you know ways that it can be DDoS, et cetera, just making sure it's legit. And that will probably result in disrupting the timeline for Omnibolt depending on how many problems we find, because we'll have Mm -hmm. to go back, you know, the Omnibolt team is a separate team and they'll have to go back in and and rework things or refactor things to to adjust for these, whatever problems were found and and that could disrupt things. So, you know, we have several things that we're kind of dependent on the Hypercore team. We need various tools to be in place to make this practical to use for some of our use cases. We have to rely on them for something. So it's like a lot of moving parts, but generally the, the idea is Q1, Q2, We'll have the wallets out Q2 Q3. We'll have the publishing platform out, and then Q3 Q4 we'll have the, the social media platform out. But my hope is to at least have you know an alpha version or a you know a primitive version proof of concept version for each of those things within those kind of split quarter timelines. Um, I don't know for sure if I'll make it for all of them. It's just, just for now. That's that's the the, goal. It's the closest I can do. You know. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, another reason why I chose to work with Tether on this and Bitfinex on this is they do have the resources and they also have the sincere interest in the use cases, you know, the web use cases that we're doing to be patient and to, you know, uh, support us and as wild as our as our vision really is and our, and our stack really is, um, we needed somebody that was, like, willing to do all of it and willing mm-hmm. to do all of it and be patient and, and see it through and then maintain it after, you know, it exists. So this is, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of like five businesses in one when you add all the different pieces together. And so so we needed a very special partner for all of that.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So the the wallet when that lands, since that's kind of towards the front end of all of this, is this? I, going I to should be... mention
0: the first thing will be our LSP that that should be January oh, okay. February. Uh, that that would the will, lightning be service provider. Soon. Yeah, yeah, that would be very. So soon. essentially, is that basically be... it's basically it's ready. We're just waiting for the legal terminology to so for the the terms and service to be done.
1: Okay, so and is and that's going to be sort of in, in the the vein of Breeze Lightning Pool. Uh, async, like these sorts of things, like what's, what's a differentiator there, or is it, is there, is there something unique to this or are you just trying to set up a good position and have a good lightning node?
0: Um, I would say it's not unique in the sense that like, if you compare it to uh bit Refill's Thor services, mm-hmm. um, I, I think they used to have a, a wider, uh range of services for Thor, and now they've kind of limited it to specific ones. But if you remember when I was there, you know, there were like Mm -hmm. four different Thor services. These are all provided through a web interface, though, through a a web widget. Um, Mm -hmm. What the difference might be is that this is actually not only going to be a web widget for end users to be able to to configure and purchase channels, it will also be a full API for integrating this into your platform and in, in, in your you know, applications. And so for example, like Breeze, if Breeze wants to have multiple LSP providers within their application, they could have Block Tank be one of the options. And they could have this fully integrated, and they could even, if they wanted to, deeply integrate it so they could automate things and they could automatically create user experiences. And this is also something we're demonstrating in our applications. Like we're not just saying making this thing and saying, "Hey, please use, please use it." We're literally implementing Blocktank into Bitfinex and into our wallets, and we're showing how when you do integrate this into these formats, new. We're actually going to show some new user experiences that you can do if you deeply integrate it. Like for example, in our our, in our mobile wallet we're going to make it kind of like sensitive to what you're trying to do and so like if you scan an invoice that you can't actually pay we can relay that information to blocktank and say hey what would it cost to give this person what they need to actually pay this invoice right now and we can say hey you know it will cost you you know a dollar 25 for you know of sats to be able to pay this invoice to to create the connection you need or the liquidity you need. And so basically we're showing how you can kind of only talk to the user about Lightning when in the context of how they're trying to use it, instead of trying to teach you the user all of the things that Lightning is made out of. And so we don't talk about like channels on the surface of the app. Like you can still mm-hmm. manage them and, 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 do, and open them in the ways that you would expect in the app, but as far as like the initial user experience, we just say like you know you need to open a connection or you know you you don't have a connection to this user, and we just communicate to the user the actual problem and the actual use case, uh, the actual utility, and we talk to them that way. And so there is a new user experience that wouldn't be possible unless we had a deeply integrated LSP that actually had all of different API calls that would be required to do these cool things. And our plan is to continue to flesh out it's basically, we want to demonstrate that if you run a centralized Lightning Node API, that if you really just double down on just like, don't worry about that it's centralized because you, you really don't need to, in my opinion, other than maybe privacy purposes. Um, well, it's essentially go- non custodial. So, like, what's right. the huge risk? You know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're really, they're really the, the risk is inconvenience, basically, and privacy. Yeah. The, those are the two main risks is that you have to, one, involve us in a lot of your tra- transactions and involve your users potentially in a lot of the transactions. And then, two, you know, you, you, you're you relying on a more central point, And if we fail you, then that could be inconvenient, but you won't. You wouldn't necessarily lose lose anything. Maybe you lose a Bitcoin transaction fee in, in a certain situation at most, um, or you might lose some convenience. And so we want to demonstrate that if you you don't need necessarily a decentralized solution. For these use cases and for these problems you really can double down and actually do a lot more if you do this through sort of a centralized way and so we want to show how in the end like people will be able to automate things automatically manage channels we have plans for doing like notifications for like risky situations or opportune situations you know just basically a, a way to have like a relationship with our server with these end user applications that gives them new use cases
1: gotcha so That's awesome. So so basically, you're you're able to use the API as a backup to when even something on like the client side fails to understand the invoice or doesn't know how to read something is that it can ask, can you read this and fill the gap for me, essentially. Um, and you could
0: even cool. use it as as a primary. It doesn't have to be a backup. Like for example, mm-hmm. if you want to make an app and you don't have somebody on your team that that you trust enough to run a lightning node with the amount of money that you want to run a lightning node in, or you don't want to have to learn all the details about you know channel management and these kinds of things, mm-hmm. you could literally just. Add you know the say a Neutrino node into your application and put the custody into the end user and then outsource all of the channel creation and channel behavior to Blocktank and thus now now your application is fully Lightning ready, fully non custodial. So all they do is put. But it you don't neutrino, have a Lightning expert. You yeah. know you just put in Neutrino
1: and have a UI and that's it. They're just they're officially just an app developer and they're not programming anything on lightning. They're just using an API. That's interesting.
0: And I'll go even further. You don't even necessarily need to even have a neutrino. Um, With Omnibolt, um, you're able to now, it has, you know, it's segregated the keys from the server in the Omnibolt design. Even though Omnibolt is technically a fork of the LND code from Lightning Labs, one difference of it is it does support an account server model. And so you can actually hold your own keys and only use the server for generating the actual invoices and, and doing the actual payments. And so that's, so if you wanted to technically you could just only use Omnibolt and not have a node at all yourself.
1: Okay. Holy shit. Um, okay.
0: Uh, how much,
1: what's your, what's your time frame on this? Am I keeping you?
0: Oh, no, no. We can talk as long as you want. I have nothing. Okay. Else
1: today. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Omnibolt. Let's, I really want to unpack this. What the, What the hell is Omnibolt? How does that play into setting up a lightning node absent of, you know, neutrino? Like, like how exactly does Omnibolt play in this? And and what's the foundation and use case for that?
0: It's pretty simple, honestly. Um, Omnibolt is just a fork of LND that supports the Omni layer. The Omni Layer is like a long existing, you know, networking format for using Bitcoin transactions and, you know, basically tainting the op code with with proprietary, you know, serialized information so you can recognize a uh, token abstractions within mm-hmm. Bitcoin transactions. And so it's basically Omni-
1: been using OpReturn, right? that's yeah yeah okay and
0: so I and I don't I don't know anything technically more beyond that as far as Omni but just generally speaking it's it's the colored coin sort of concept and mm-hmm. you're basically you know marking Bitcoin transactions with with special information that only an Omni node or Omni network would recognize to be able to now tack on token abstractions to Bitcoin transactions and okay. so Omni essentially omni transactions are Bitcoin transactions they just have additional data that they're keeping track of to be able to also have tokens within these transactions. And so Mm -hmm. Omni is not a separate blockchain. It is not, you know, it's not a side chain. It's just a network that tracks metadata, you know, almost like slash tags in a way, um, Mm -hmm. but very specific use case to tracking the metadata within the op returns that are specifically for Omni. Um, And so you have this concept that's existed for a long time. It was the original place that Tether was issued. Um, it used to be all, you know, the first billion dollars of Tether or, or so were all on Omni. And then when Bitcoin fees got to be high on the Bitcoin <clears throat> network, uh, Tether and other you know, uh, stable coins started looking at other blockchains So they could issue the same assets on altcoins instead um, to be able to utilize these low fees. Even though these these blockchains are higher risk, they're not really attacked very much, at least yet. And so there's a lot of utility to provide it if now you can have these bearer instruments that are even cheaper than on Bitcoin. And so Tether became a product that was more about representing their dollars as bearer instruments, on any network um and less about just only being a bitcoin thing but that is where it started and so now um now these shitcoins coins are starting to become popular <laughs> and they can't scale either <laughs> and so <laughs> now you now we're back to the fee problem right and, and this 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 keeps repeating, right? Like you put Tether on Tron, you put Tether you on, Tron, put Tether on Ethereum, and you just keep moving Solana to next, the, the hottest, cheapest coin, right? Bravo, yeah. um, <laughs> and, and this is good for Tether because that's where all the the, the trend of users are. So they always mm-hmm. get to be able to access the you know all of the users that might want to might want dollar exposure because most of these shit coins they're using for speculating and trading against and somehow anyway, like DeFi was all about, you know, trying to arbitrage worthless inflated tokens made out of thin air and, you know, or at, in its best, you know, representation trying to achieve stable coins itself and you can't achieve stable coins also you know stable algorithmic coins without actual stable coins and so the whole thing is just like this turtles all the way down (laughs) kind of trying to seize this liquidity and you know you honestly cannot blame tether for this because if people want dollar exposure and they want it in their network specifically and they also want it to affordably then they're going to take that product and give it to them and so now Luckily, uh, uh, Bitcoin and the Bitcoin kind of development community at large is much more focused on optimization, scaling, and, you know, actually realizing, you know, and uh, respecting the limitations of a blockchain. And due to this, we have been so lucky as to have people focusing on things like uh Lightning Network, focusing on things like Taproot and SegWit, and so we actually have the best scaling in the world when it comes to blockchains. And so now that people are actually again, this, you know, the, the timing is better now. There's actually lightning technology that's usable. It's actually possible to put this into a mobile wallet and it not be a horrible user experience. Um, you know, there are uh, it's starting to have a, a decent you know amount of users that even care about you know trying the lightning network. A decent amount of investors willing to invest in companies that are creating lightning network you know uh, applications or 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 platforms that support the Lightning Network. So everything is looking a lot better now. And we're saying, okay, well, if the only way to scale Bitcoin at this time for a high frequency, instant retail friendly commercial user experience, and that's essentially what Lightning is, is it's commercial technology for Bitcoin making, you know, it enables the the medium exchange use case to a much further degree on a scaling level, then it's the same for tokens. So now Omnibolt is basically a fork of LND that supports Omni layer. And so now we can take these Bitcoin transactions that have Omni tokens in them. And now we can say, okay, let's make lightning channels out of these Omni token abstractions. And so now what Omnibolt, what the Omnibolt team has done is they've created this fork of LND that allows you to have token channels and token networks. The challenge here is that what you learn when you, when you work on this stuff. And I've been trying to get tokens on Lightning for three years. I've been involved in different projects. It's been, it's been a side goal of mine since I was at BitRefill. Um, it's actually not. So it probably, probably a lot of people think it's something Tether instigated or Tether required, but they actually had nothing to do with anything to do with our token decisions. It just happened to be uh, complementary. Like it, it, we didn't seek each other out for those reasons in any way. Yeah. Um, sorry, where was I? Oh, and, and so now you can have scalable token channels you can have high frequency which means now we can bring tokens to retail as well as bear instruments and that's what's important to me is that it's important to me that people have a way businesses have a way of issuing credit you know, of, of issuing credit on their reputation even further. So now you have slash tags also to kind of help track and hold them accountable mm-hmm. of issuing credit on their reputation to be able to grow their businesses and be able to provide people high type preference assets that are actually relevant to them. So rather than just only like trusting, say tether for your dollar exposure, you could choose instead to trust people that are actually within your economic relevance. You could say, okay, I, I use, uh, you know, um, Aldo to do my shopping and I want to always you know have some credit with them because I always spend you know a thousand dollars a month you know there shopping for my family. And so why wouldn't would I rather hold Aldo credit or would I rather hold tether credit for my shopping? Well, why not hold the credit in the thing that I actually need, right? It's much more relevant and you get to kind of support that business and by giving them that capital upfront. And so they can now grow their business and speculate on that capital. And now, so it might actually benefit you in the end to have that money be with them instead of be held with Tether. And so the idea here is to kind of, if we want to have this atomic economy concept or a circular economy where Bitcoin is the main store of value, you we're always, you know, I, I did a lot of, I went deep into a rabbit hole on, on modeling all of this. and I, And I thought in the end, like, what is finance? What is the minimum thing we need? Well, we definitely need a way for like, if you have one coffee shop and you want to open a second coffee shop, we need a way to accelerate that by leveraging your reputation, lever- leveraging some form of credit with people that trust you to accelerate your growth in, in, in capitalism. And that is going to require at least, at minimum, the ability to issue credit in some way. Because I, I would, I would add, you know, the ability to issue equity, but it's like mostly highly regulated right now to be able to issue equity, much more regulated mm-hmm. than issuing credit. Like most jurisdictions that allow people to issue say gift cards and that is a form of credit that is sort yeah, of I was a barrier. So
1: gift card is basically yeah, yeah. what you're talking about it's And
0: seems you, like. yeah so you'll probably hear me talk about gift tokens a lot. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's my long answer to like what is Omni and OmniBolt. Um, OmniBolt is and I I have no problem you know making this distinction a separate lightning network from the Bitcoin Lightning Network as we know it. Um, but the problem is, and the interesting thing is, it doesn't really matter because every asset that you add, whether it was on the same network or technically a different network, is, is a separate network because you need to bootstrap the liquidity, right? The yeah. channels need to actually have tethers in them if you want to create a tether channel network. And so it doesn't matter whether or not it's the same network or separate or a separate network because it's it's effectively separate no matter what. And the only way you can kind of bridge that gap is through atomic swapping. And so you could atomic swap intra-network or in, you could atomic swap across networks. And these are later stage capabilities that Omnibot will have as well.
1: Man. Okay. Before we unpack all of that, let's quickly get into another tip for maximizing your returns on the Fold card. Now first, everybody knows, you all know what Fold is by now. If you don't, just go download the Fold app, start hitting your daily spin, they have a faucet. They just give you free sats every day. And then when you upgrade to the Fold debit card and the wheel that gives you more sats, do not forget the 20% discount with code Bitcoin Audible for your premium account. But when you have the Spin Plus card, When you have premium, you get access to their augmented reality metaverse thing. So this is actually a really great way to game for better rewards. Um, No pun intended. Uh, The metaverse thing literally is it's kind of like Pokemon Go, sort of. It lets you collect sats and it refreshes every time a block comes in. You have like a little countdown and you have to just run around your room and collect sats. Now, there is a limit on how many sats you can get each day. It look, I think it's 50 if I'm not mistaken. I've yet to find a limit on the number of spins you can collect, which means that you can just keep playing and keep collecting extra spins. And just ignore the sats after you hit your daily limit. I just started this strategy like last week or the week before, and it has been working great so far. But do not forget the 20% discount when you do this with Bitcoin, Audible, get the Fold Card, stack sats every single day on everything this is the way with that let's jump back in gotcha so so in the context of omnibolt is that is this basically um uh you're creating an uh gift card token network or something like that like let's let's say just just because gift cards are the easy example um is uh that Does this have the same exact like foundations and uh, limitations? I guess you could say as opening up normal Lightning channels. Like like how does this work on Lightning? Like like I think you said just now that it is it is a separate Lightning network. Does that mean that like I have to have a channel with some Tether in it in order to send and receive Tether? Um, Like like is it essentially the same operation and does it have the same limitations as to? how it can be programmed or changed as lightning being actual Bitcoin transactions do, or are, are these essentially identical? They're just separate um, uh, assets.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty much what I was getting at and, and you've got it pretty accurate. I would even go so far as to say there might be, more i don't know if i want to call them limitations so much as considerations they were probably even more considerations because now you have bitcoin and lightning tokens you have so you have two assets that are kind of Associated with each other, and so you do have various problems that you have to mitigate with American call options, and you know these these are popular problems people talk about with tokens, where where if the value of the token is somehow disproportionate to the value of the Bitcoin, you can have some strange game situations where people might try to game things when they're transacting, um, and and these are. That's part of the, the thing, the interactions that are being audited right now through the team that's auditing on people is to make sure that there are also not any severe issues where where something like that comes to you know the surface. And now, you know, people are going to lose money for some reason. So that, that's our biggest concern is making sure that people won't inadvertently lose money or lose money through weird attack vectors or lose money through weird like, sub games that are created because we're attaching, you know, we're, we're latching tokens on top of Bitcoin. But yeah, essentially, you, you've got the rest right, where you wouldn't be able to send me tether unless our path from the beginning to the end, everybody had enough tether liquidity. And the, the exception to that will be everybody who wants to do like tokens on lightning and there are other projects that try to do this there are just none that have gone as far as Omnibolt, and that's why we chose it and it, it seemed like we wanted we wanted a, a technology that strictly supported tokens on lightning and didn't try to be a lot of other things and we wanted it to actually be implementable and work and and they're, they're literally the only project that qualified for that but all of the projects that either talk about it plan to do it or are working on different ways to do tokens on bitcoin and lightning they all have the same solution to this liquidity issue or the separate network issue, which is atomic swapping, like I mentioned. And so in the future, at least not right away, um, you'll be able to say if you have a tether channel with Alice and then Alice has a Bitcoin channel with Bob and then Bob has a tether channel with me, Alice and Bob will both be able to advertise an exchange rate for tether and Bitcoin. And then they'll be able to agree on that exchange rate with each other in order to complete the route.
1: Gotcha. So so essentially, yes, in architecture, it is like a completely separate lightning network. But once we get into the realm of live service services and atomic swapping and uh, computers negotiating terms with each other, these nodes uh, uh, negotiating routes and liquidity with each other, um, uh, it, particularly with APIs and things like BlockTank, is, uh, you won't have, you'll be able to use lightning as the liquidity in certain channels. Like I might send tether on my end and then the next two hops use, uh, Bitcoin on lightning. And then the last hop switches back to tether for yeah. the person to receive.
0: I'll, I'll be honest with you. And I'll say it's interesting from a technological standpoint, but I'm actually phys- philosophically not that, um, worried about or focused on that specific capability because Mm -hmm. my belief with the lightning network is that centralization is okay that that sent that you know any lightning network should be made out of hubs connecting to each other and each of Mm -hmm. those hubs should be made of spokes with their most popular users because it's not worth making a lightning channel if you aren't going to have high frequency transacting you know you, you need to like transact at least three or four times to even make it worth it at all right mm-hmm. like to, to have it be like less money than you would spend on chain at least until the blocks are full you know when the blocks are full then everything changes and you'll be very happy that you had your lightning channel um, yeah. even if you're making one or two transactions but for the moment it's like it, it's it's a cost benefit analysis you have to apply to even open a channel um, and, and so So my belief is I'm only going to open channels, you know, not so frequently. I don't need to have 20 channels. I should probably only have like one to three channels. And I'm only going to open them with people I know I can frequently, I already are, that are endpoints for me, you know, people that I want to pay regularly or route payments to regularly for some specific relevant reason. And so the idea of like complex routing and multipath routing and now multipath atomic swap routing. These are like <laughs> this is like edge case edge of the network problems that I think are cool and need to be solved, but I don't think they're actually integral to the economy and and mm-hmm. and so they might even actually be mostly irrelevant to the economy because they're just trying to arbitrage inefficiencies in how people are choosing to connect to the wrong channels anyway and over time people will just be much more thoughtful about who they connect to in the first place
1: yeah yeah there's there's an interesting degree of trade-off and um what's the what's the word um Oh, we'll just go with trade off. There's an interesting trade off with uh, the lightning network actually being more hub and spoke and failing to realize in the the constant push for ultimate decentralization is that how vastly improved the situation is just by using lightning, even if it's with a centralized entity that you know, or you feel like you're using a service with. Like the, the context that I tried to, uh, because the lightning report, actually the state of lightning report that I just read on the show um, kind of goes into this a little bit is that centralization is sort of a feature because it makes the lightning network work more efficiently and you can essentially choose. It's, it's centralized by your choice. Like You can choose wherever it is on the network that you want to connect to. And in the context of con- comparing that um, to like a banking relationship, is like like today, um, the average legacy banking relationship is a total and one hundred percent dependence and control to the bank. Like they are, they are the end all, be all of all of it. The only reason your money even exists is because the bank says it exists, and the the idea of being able to non custodially use that bank's network without them ever actually having your money that is the idea of replacing your bank account with a lightning channel with the bank and that solves like 90% of the problems that banks cause like the, that they are in the in the world it's it's the difference between using one singular network versus the internet um, and it's like like lightning pool is quote unquote a centralized service they are one entity that is uh, connecting people to a market, but every single party who puts any uh, Bitcoin capital up to be used in this market to be market made uh, by a Lightning Pool is doing so with zero risk outside of the time it would take to just leave if something went wrong, and uh, and like that is one of the fundamental things that we want to do and then through that we can still get privacy we can still get full decentralization if we want or need it but we have the option of it working incredibly well without actually having to give up control to somebody else we still own what we own
0: um, self-custody and like Self-sovereignty or digital self-sovereignty are like, extremely important to me. They're, they're literally like design principles and rules we have as a company. They're listed on our website. Like we, these are rules that we will not break, that we do not, not want to create things that facilitate you know, trusted custody of your assets, whether it be your data or your, uh, or your, you know, your, your Bitcoin and your savings. But I want to I bring up an interesting point, which is I hinted at this earlier where you know, I said privacy is metadata. And that I think that some ways of, uh, say, achieving privacy or, quote unquote, improving privacy um, that are accepted or popular with Bitcoiners, I don't agree with or don't make much sense to me. And and here's an example I thought about while you're talking, which is, you know, if you asked any Bitcoiner on the Lightning Network, you know, if you gave them these two scenarios and you asked them which one is more private, probably 80% of them would pick the wrong one. And the scenario is this. If I pay, say, I need to use Bitrefill every month, and I want to be able to, you know, just buy a gift card. Now, keep in mind, Bitrefill doesn't get my address; they don't get like personal information. They just get mm-hmm. the payment, and they they know that you know I've purchased this. Um, what's more private? Me having a channel with Bitrefill and buying things directly. Or me routing that transaction through the Lightning Network, you know, from my node to however many nodes in between to pay BitRefill that that way to create separation. Most Bitcoiners will say, well, you get more mixing, you get more separation. They don't get to see, you know, BitRefill doesn't get to see everything. They don't know where the, you know, they would choose the routing method. But it's actually technically, like physically, observably, provably, much less private to involve more parties in your trans- transaction than only mm-hmm. the party you're dealing with. And this is my problem. And the
1: relevant Bitcoin. information, like your pub key and everything, BitRefill has either way.
0: This is my problem with CoinJoin. This is my, my problem with actually being tolerant of reusing addresses more than other Bitcoiners. Is that like, if I trust you and you've made a Bitcoin address for me, and I'm the only one that ever sends Bitcoin to that address... I can reuse it over and over and over and over. It doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. if you, if we trust each other, that's like a, a dedicated Bitcoin address is, is not that much different than a Lightning channel. Together, we're just mm-hmm. saying it just happens to be that every transaction goes on the chain instead of only one at the end or one every once in a while, and so that gives a lot more detail or resolution to that relationship, and that is public. But as long as we don't tell anybody what we're doing, th- that it's completely safe and it's much safer than me mixing all of my coins sending those coins through you know coin joins and then paying you because now i've involved all kinds of other people in my economics i've left metadata everywhere you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. now i have to i have to rely on all of these data points not leaking in addition to you like if somebody in my mix decides to like post post join their coin the wrong way now they've like negated that whole piece of the mix so it's like People have a really strange understanding of privacy when it comes to Bitcoin right now. And I think they need to understand that like a big part of privacy, a big part of security is actually knowing who to trust, choosing who to open a channel with and, you know, being being thoughtful about it and not just saying, hey, everybody open channels to me. I need liquidity like. Yeah, that's You, you might have saw um, Ben Carmen actually had an incident where he raised his minimum fee for his node to something like 0. 0.16 BTC or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it's like you, you can't open a channel to him anymore because he was getting too many people basically griefing him by opening channels and then just closing them and, and things like this. So it's like, yeah. you know, you do need to think about who you trust, who you give an address to, how you manage your addresses. But it doesn't mean outright that you're going to get more privacy by mixing or get more privacy by by tour routing or any of these things, you have to actually understand how these things work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in the context of your example, that's funny too, because like I would, I'd had to think about it really hard before I, (laughs) before I really came up with an answer to that. Um, But in the context of BitRefill, whether or not you routed or whether or not you sent a payment directly to them, BitRefill has no difference in the information that they got from you.
0: Right. And um, literally all you did was add more people. That's all yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, the, that's fundamentally the only difference between the two. Um, that's interesting, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, which brings us all the way back to the web of trust, is that it's about how we manage trust individually rather than relying on someone else to decide trust, trusted relationships and relevance for us, which is where we have been in the web to date, um, and turning that around. Um, now, is this a, uh, is this, you know, you talked about um, like the world wide web this is something you brought up on the bit refill show, um, the world wide web versus the web of trust, as if this is a different foundation and uh, different, um, well, I mean, different domain like sub subdomain thing like would this even be something that could be so far as like you would have w o t dot guy swan <laughs> you know like is this is this even something that could have its own like kind of d n s record like this index where I connect to people in my own little thing is that kind of the basis of maybe the social media thing
0: I would say you have the right idea, but it might not play out exactly as you describe sure. specifically in other words. I I think that people need a, a, a mental way to kind of designate things and organize things in their brain. You need a mental model of reality to understand anything and place anything. And for me, at least, and I hope for others, it helps for that to have the mental model of, of, like you said, separating the world wide web from the concept of a web of trust. But the web of trust itself as a concept is kind of uh, fractal or abstracted as well, because you can have many webs of trust and they're not necessarily knowing about each other. There's nothing global about it. So sure. it's more of a concept of how you form a network and how you uh, transmit data and across this network than about it being... Uh, you know, WOT.domain. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that is a nice way. I like to think of it that way too, but specific, that would be the specific thing that I don't think it would actually play out that way for the user because WOT. Dot, you know, synonym.com or synonym.to, which is technically our, our uh, domain name um, synonym.to is, putting a subdomain in the front of it that's different wouldn't actually you, you'd still be using http you would still be on the, the regular web yeah, yeah so yeah. but it's it is an interesting uh uh, segue though in that a big thing that Slash Tags is doing is essentially replacing DNS. It's saying instead of using DNS as, uh, you know, using the authority of ICANN and domain names as a way of addressing things, you're actually using keys as the endpoint, as, as, as the end addresses. So you're not using you're not using IPs, you're not using domains, you're using keys and then you're figuring out how to attach metadata to those keys. And the metadata you could use as short names or vanity names like like a domain name sort of but everything is much more relative so in in a web of trust you can have more than one google.com and you can say and you can be which google.com you actually want do i want the google.com that 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 John says is Google.com, that John Trusts is Google.com, or I don't want the Google.com that you know Jeff Bezos says is, Google, is Google.com or ICANN <laughs> says is Google.com. Everybody yeah. becomes a DNS in, in, in a web of trust. And it just it just depends on whether or not you've already got the endpoint address stored in your local database and then who you trust to ask where the location is if you don't already have it. At the moment, people just always ask the same people. I go, you know, I use Use my uh my, my google dns and i go and they they ask i can and then it tells me where the server is um in this case you would you would just be able to ask anybody and it wouldn't necessarily be dns it would be slash tags
1: gotcha so in the you mentioned also search being kind of a part of this like the idea of building indexes for things um, so
0: it's not search in the sense that like you are you are sending out a request to a peer or a network and then they're like doing a search for you it's search what, what, what i mean by that is like in the abstract in other words you still have the same or similar user experience as search but instead of you're not you're not actually searching you're filtering and so you're basically defining what okay. characteristics, which metadata you, it has to, is required to satisfy, you know, your, your, your search, quote unquote. Um, but what you're actually doing is you're filtering all of the data from that endpoint to only include those things. And so it, it's, a, it's technically search, but you're configuring the algorithm locally. And that's the cool part. The cool part is you're deciding what the weightings are, what the categories are, what the trust is, et cetera, all the requirements of your search locally. And then you're saying you're going to a peer or multiple peers and you're saying, here are my requirements. Please show me data that meets them. And then when you do that, they do the same thing to you. They say, okay, let me me see who you are and what my requirements are. And then we're going to, you know, the difference will be what actually is the result. Interesting,
1: interesting. So how do I how do I start playing around with this shit? So HyperCore is available. Is there like a, a decent interface for that or is that just something I need to blow up in the terminal? I,
0: I think it's mostly going to be terminal-based. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that there are many end-user applications that they have, um, you know, for... for- you know, end user use cases. But there are a lot of utilities and a lot of different tools you could play with if you go into it. I'm also a little bit ignorant to it. So it, it's not, we don't develop on HyperCore. It's not mm-hmm. my responsibility. And and I'm not the person applying it in our applications, the engineers are. And so, you know, you're welcome to like talk to people on our team if you want help or, or to play with it more um, or even talk to the, the hyper division team. And, but they have a whole community of people that are using Hyper and contributing to Hyper. And there are various different utilities I know there's Hyper Swarm, Hyper Bees, there's Hype, which is like a personal data storage <laughs> management tool. Yeah. Like there's a lot of different things that you can use it for, but it is going to be more, you know, for a developer than it would be for like an end user.
1: Gotcha. Are you guys actually expecting to be one of the first sort of end user kind of applications for it?
0: Uh, in, within my own sphere of reality, I think so. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm hesitant to say yes, because I haven't actually researched to see who else is who's made, you know, you know technically has an application out there. Um, mm-hmm. I, ha- I haven't verified or checked. I would say there's certainly no popular application um, mm-hmm. of, of HyperCore in any way. So we hope to be the first maybe semi-popular one you know if we can get you know 10 20k bitcoin users using our wallet and and you know now then using our publishing platform like i think that would be much more than anybody else has done
1: yeah yeah uh uh. slash tags when uh, slash tags is the first thing to on on the way right
0: uh the block tank is probably the first thing that will actually be okay, delivered. But slash tags is actually so the block tank client is already public. So if you actually wanted to like play with block tank and see how it works, you, you could do with your with your platform, you could start to play with that now if you really wanted. But you won't but Accessing our API is going to be like a business relationship. Like we will have a contract together to be able to use the, the API because we're literally selling things to you. We're selling Bitcoin, we're selling channels, and gotcha. so there, there there are fees involved, and it's it's a it's a B two B thing. Um, there will be a public widget that won't require that. There'll just be a terms so you'll have to agree to, and that's it. But that yeah. will have much more limited, you know, uh, services. You know, it's just literally configuring a channel, choosing how long you want it to be open, and that's it. Yeah, um,
1: very basic. Uh, product like a simplified product
0: yeah and then slash tags uh, we do have code that is public for it that you could play with right now and you could even implement it in your website right now and we do even have a chrome extension that is like a demo wallet that only supports slash tags right now and okay. we have live netlify demos that you can play with for like the, the intended user experience and it gives you a hint of how it will work in our wallet when it's released so there's plenty of things that you can play with and look at with slash tags for the use case of authentication and for contacts and this kind of stuff um, the next things that will release will be like slash tags feeds which is basically a way to provide authenticated metadata feeds to the people that you trust or the people that you've designated if they have the right key basically so we can and we have a couple other cool use cases we want to do in the wallet essentially that will show um when, when the wallet is released and so when, you can, when you you can already play with demos for, for authentication uh-huh. and you can literally install sorry i have noise <laughs> uh you can literally install it and you know you can test it within your website and then you can use the Chrome extension version of like, it's like a Slash Tags wallet and it literally only supports Slash Tags. There's no Bitcoin or anything like that. Um, you could test this and have this flow working you know, right now if you wanted to, I just- don't That will be it.
1: persistent when the full product comes yeah. out?
0: So by persistent, you mean, will really we disrupt come. everything? Uh, yes. I, it's definitely in a alpha, pre-alpha state. So you so could- So maybe. Yeah, so so you maybe you could expect some disruption. You know the the developer said something like you know it's starting to ossify and he's happy and, and I'm like thinking okay it's, you're probably still going to change it again so let, let's not get too well, many yeah. people on board. <laughs> but that's why I mentioned that we're installing. We have a few partners in private that we're already implementing it with, and so we want to go through the motions with them and, and fully implement it with Bitfinex and a couple other people privately to make sure that you know we the tools that the minimum tools are in place that there are no problems that people actually do what they have to make this practical. And and again, like the slash tags uh, wallet that we have in Chrome, it's not meant to be a product we want everybody to use. It's just meant to be that if you were to test slash tags, you need somewhere to test it with. You need, you need a base application to store the keys in and, and actually test. So we we created that as kind of a, a testing demo so you could implement it. Um, but yeah, the, the, the real goal is to like release the mobile wallet that will be a full fledged way to, you know, test and store your Slash Tags accounts and in the context of Bitcoin. Nice. Um, so what do
1: you, what do you guys need now? Like what, where, where's, uh, where's the big struggle?
0: um i guess i can think of maybe three things one would be time we just need time it's like Mm -hmm. time your time and patience um the other would be like your support or your your uh what would be the word uh your open mind you know like obviously everything we've been talking about you know to some people is going to sound like gibberish or cosmic or you know extremely ambitious in the in the bad way um you know like th- th- there's a lot of ways to look at this and so i just need your benefit of the doubt i guess and your support you know as a community and as as bitcoiners you know i know that there are not there are not a lot of other people doing stuff like this we're trying to like do web 3 without the shit coiny part and just kind of focus on the semantics and the web of trust aspects and you know just Taking the time to actually digest and learn this stuff, um, and then the specific thing we need is is we need to hire some people. Um, there, are, it's not so easy to hire for some of the roles that we're trying to fill right now, um, and to hire affordably as well because there's a lot of competition for some of the roles um, due to shitcoins and Silicon Valley kind of, you know, the the some of the rates here can get really high on these things, and we we want to be able to have a, a decently sized team and you know not uh, be irresponsible. And so we we do need, you know, talented people that are willing to take the risk to help us with this project. Um, And so there are several roles that we, we are trying to fill at the moment. That would be another thing that we need. But yeah you know your your, your open-mindedness and support um, some time tolerance um, you know a little maybe research a little bit if you're interested and kind of want to become an enthusiast and then eventually contribute I mean there are aspects you could contribute to right now if you want to start interfacing with us and talking with us and looking at our, our uh, repos we're a synonym dev on github if you want to look at what we've got public so far we'll make new things public every month and we, we're gonna we have a lot of plans for slash tags for developing it out so So, you know, if you have use cases or ideas that you've been inspired by listening to this, we've probably already had those ideas as well and have them on a road, have them on a roadmap. And so we'd be happy for somebody else to compete by doing the same things we're doing with slash tags or, you know, differentiate by doing the things we're not prioritizing with slash tags. Mm Because there really are a lot of like, if you're creative and you want to do like you know ethereum like things with bitcoin related to web use cases we're here to show you that you don't need blockchains to do that and that we are going to build those use cases for bitcoiners
1: hell yeah hell yeah um i'm curious uh uh before we wrap this up where does the name synonym come from
0: so when i was trying to The original name for the company, I wanted it to actually be Revolt. Um, And for legal reasons, that was just totally impossible. Um, (laughs) And, and, you know, mostly I wanted it to be that name because at the time – I wanted the company to also represent a similar like attitude that people expect from me um, as I am on Twitter, you know, like I can yeah, be, yeah. I can be yeah. abrasive. I can be very candid. I know bullshit. You know, I, I have my own little way I behave on Twitter, which hopefully people don't uh, too many people think is how I would behave in real life. And it's not. It's um, not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I thought revolt and I, and I, and I, part of my, my, my motivation for behaving the way I behave on Twitter is I kind of want to try to be a role model and show people that you can you don't have to accept bullshit and you don't have to like tolerate like scamminess and like you can just be just put it out there be candid yeah. and be brave and so I thought revolt challenge is like, things yeah. like no other company very few companies are willing to be like all right look like bitcoin is basically black market money and we're here we're literally here to like destroy all of the Monopoly institutions of today, like <laughs> that's like we're, like we're here, we're here to like take down, you know, at least government regulation, if not government entirely. Um, we're not necessarily going to solve violence directly anytime soon, but we are, we are here to disrupt at least the Fed. Um, we're here to disrupt the big tech. We're here to disrupt, you know, big banks. Like it's re- so it's it's a it's a revolution. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know wh- whether you are willing to say it or brave enough to be a part of it or, or not it's the truth. And so I, I did want to call it revolt at first, but that, that got canned by legal. It got canned by, you know, every, every dimension I could, it just was not available. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so as I tried to think of what would be another name, you know, as I mentioned in my other podcast, I used to be a huge Google fan. And so I, I did, I did kind of always, I was always aware of like them, uh, you know, their approaches, what worked, what didn't work. Apple as well is another, you know, good example of a great br- company with a great brand that had a great product approach. And so I, you know, I, I was trying to think of something that was like, okay, I want it to be like a parent company because I want to have like kind of like how Alphabet is a parent company for Google. And sure. I wanted, and, and so I, I wanted the brand to be separate from the products. And I wanted to take the time to come up with really great products and brand product names and brands for each product so they could each stand on their own if they had to. So if somebody comes in, you know, only knowing about our wallet, maybe the only thing they ever know about our wallet is they never think about synonym in their life. You know, like they just care about the wallet name and the wallet brand and that's what matters to them. And I wanted that to be true for all of our products, slash tags, same things. Like if you want to, if you're interested in web of trust or web three, or you want to build things like dApps and stuff, you know, maybe all you care about is slash tags as a protocol and you don't care about where it came from you don't care about our wallet or block tank or other products you just care about that and so i wanted the parent company name to be something that kind of emulated the brand that i thought um would be like interesting and and sexy to bitcoiners and kind of I you know, I'll be honest, I always kind of projected what I thought Blockstream should be as a company and what I expected mm-hmm. from them. And that's a lot of what synonym is, is just creating the company that I thought Blockstream was supposed to be. And I and and I love those guys. I don't mean this as an insult at all. They're 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 extremely talented and I couldn't do half the things that they done if I tried in the time, you know, that they have. It's not a criticism so much as I projected my own vision onto You're, them. An expectation in and, and the yeah. And, and they did and, what they thought. <laughs> and so yeah. when I saw them do things that I didn't agree with or I wouldn't have done or prioritized, like they do things in finance and satellites, like I would have never even thought of doing those things. It's just not mm-hmm. on my in my in my realm. And I wanted this company to represent that. And so like I mentioned in the first couple months uh, that I was kind of like visualizing and and modeling the company and modeling the hyper Bitcoinized future and all the pieces of it, I, I had this one little dynamic that was missing. And the dynamic was basically, I was like, okay, the only thing that's missing is, is like, if we're gonna do this, I need some way for people to have what is essentially what, what I've later you know, termed as mutual consensus, which is like Bitcoin has global consensus or unanimous consensus. But mm-hmm. I needed a way for one peer to like point at something in the digital realm and be able to agree that it is also something else to another peer. And essentially, I needed this the, the same dynamic or atomic function of a synonym. Like I needed to be able to define one thing as it also representing something else. And this is just like the concept of metadata. Like, like synonym is like the same name of the company as Meta is for Facebook. It's it's represent it's just representing how you attach abstraction to digital information. And that's what that's what I meant by synonym. That's why we called it that. It's just that dynamic of. You can anchor any abstraction to Bitcoin, any of them. Yeah. Like you can anchor, you know, identities to Bitcoin keys. You can anchor, like every every Bitcoin transaction is an abstraction. You don't know what any Bitcoin transaction actually represents. What the people value those Bitcoin at that time. You have some idea by looking at exchange prices, but like right now, you literally have no idea what transactions actually represent to the people that create them, and and so that's what Synonym represents is. We want to show how you can use but not the in metadata. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know. Nice, nice. I like that. I like that. I was curious about that. I like the name. Um,
0: and then I was also really happy with the logo because, like, the logo is like it's like a quote, but it's an equal sign, but it's a lightning bolt, but it's an S. So <laughs> it kind of covered everything in a very yeah, like, yeah, yeah. simple way, and so I was happy with that.
1: Nice. Um, well, shit. Um, uh, was there anything else you specifically
0: wanted to add? Oh, I don't um, know, man. We talked about a lot. We did. <laughs> uh, we did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm just, I, honestly, I'm glad to finally talk to you. I'm good. It's, it's, and be on your show and, and just talk with you again. It's been a long it was, time coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it was really nice meeting you and Jeff and, and being at, uh, being at the, the conference over at Boom and that we all had a, had a good time. My cousin Shane was there. And, yeah. uh, yeah. Like it was just really cool meeting you. You know, you're, you're, you guys are just as nice in person as you seem in the in the podcast and so i I really respect you know what you've been doing for bitcoin and your you know your work and your efforts and i'm just happy to be here as well and and be taken seriously by you and and your (laughs) listeners you know like this means a lot to me this project i really do have like my whole life is about bitcoin you know i have bitcoins you know best interests at heart and everything that we're doing. I don't care if I make money doing this honestly. I mean, I am getting paid to do it, so it's <laughs> it's already kind of covered. But like I don't care if I like, you know, become this super VC or, you know, CEO that solved the web. I, I all I care about is like Bitcoiners actually getting the future they deserve. And so I hope people will, you know, take that seriously and get, give us a chance and give our products a chance.
1: Fucking A man. Hell yeah, dude. I hear it. Um, I appreciate it too, man. Uh, the, Jesus Christ, um, like I've been, I've been saying this for a long time that I feel like these little building blocks have been here for so long and it's really missed a single person and team that has the vision of putting all the pieces together. Um, but so much of this has been around like there've been sort of similar things to slash tags there been That's how I felt when I was torrent, making you know? like, slash
0: tags I was like why yeah. why aren't we doing this and why has nobody made this like I've known about the Bitcoin OTC web of trust since the first year I was in Bitcoin like I literally yeah. used it and I rated people and I kept saying like why why did why isn't this going anywhere why is nobody keep on doing this? Why am I putting my phone number in things and my email address in things? And why are, why am I always worrying about whether I'm being like key logged or, or whether or not that password is actually getting hashed and salted? Like it, it yeah. just, nothing made sense. You I'm know that like, shit's
1: in plain text on their <laughs> servers. You know, it is. <laughs> oh shit. That's awesome. I'm fucking stoked about this. I'm going to go um, fight with some people about um, getting slash tags on the website just to tinker with it and uh probably use the you know throw in that well we I should thing.
0: mention you know I guess since this is the end uh you know our links and and, and but specifically we do have a room in telegram called slash tags where people oh. that are trying to play with slash tags are, are oh, in there knew, yeah, it's dead. it's only a few days old because we had a we had like multiple people asking about it and I figured rather than repeat this conversation 10 times let's yeah. just get every, get everybody in the That's same right. room Um, but yeah if you join if you know
1: is that something i can just search or do i get the link from you i
0: I think it's t.me slash slash tags i think i got the the url for it um and and if not let me know just message me i'll connect you but yeah we have a slash tags room for people that are trying to play with implementing it and and people that are you know early and interested in it and just you know hang out in there um the main engineer on the project on our team his name is r-a-r um he's in that room and he is just Like yesterday, shipped the latest version of it, which uses, you know, which is using hypercore as part of the kind of handshaking process. So it's like the cooler version now. Um, (laughs) so, So now is a good time to start playing with it. Um, and yeah, on the website, you have all the different tools. Our, our website is synonym.to. Um, and you have like various slash tags demos and, you know, you can see our whole roadmap. You can see our job listings. You can see our design principles of like all the rules we're using to, to make our decisions. You can see our team, et cetera. So yeah, all the info you need, um, you can find me on Twitter at Bitcoin error log. The company is synonym underscore TO, um, that about covers it.
1: Good yeah. Good yeah. Everybody follow. Everybody go there and play with stuff and overwhelm the telegram group with very new questions.
0: <laughs> Not with spam. I'm <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I just jumped in the telegram and you're right. It was t.me.slash tags. Awesome. Um, uh but uh yeah, I'll have all the links to those goodies in the show notes. Dude, thanks for coming on the show. Um, This has been a blast. I have been wanting to unpack this for quite some time since I first had word of it at one of the conferences. I was like, wait, John's building some shit. I need to know about this. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm going to stay uh, very, keep a very, very close eye on this. And I'm super stoked for 2022 in very large part because of what you're doing over there. So
0: Well, thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for your consideration. And I'm happy to come back anytime, honestly. Should you? Oh, we'll do this
1: again. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk soon, man. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks. dude. Man, I hope you guys are nerdy enough to have enjoyed that as much as I did. Synonym is the company. John Carvalho is the guy to be following. Check out Synonym.to. If you want to explore that a little bit, I'm going to have the link to the HyperDrive or HyperCore demo that he mentioned in the show notes. Um, So don't forget to check that out. And I'll have links to all the stuff. I'll have links to Synonym, uh, Bitcoin Error Log, all that good stuff. So don't forget to check out the links in the description. And also, obviously, while you're there, check out our incredible sponsors, the Bitcoin 2022 Conference, the uh, Swan Bitcoin, the place to buy Bitcoin, I just actually upped my weekly buy, actually. The Fold debit card to stack sats on everything. I have been playing that stupid metaverse like crazy recently. So many extra spins. And then lastly, the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet for keeping all of my precious sats safe and secure. So, we have a very exciting week on the way. I was actually recording a bunch of different articles and reads last week despite only the single episode getting released. So they are finally, all of those reads are actually completed, and now I just am turning them into episodes and covering guys' takes and stuff. Um, So we actually got Moxie Marlinspike's piece on the crypto version of Web3 coming tomorrow, on how NFTs and the rather comical state of, quote, decentralization is over in that environment. I think it's a great contrast to what we have covered today so don't forget to check that out don't forget to subscribe this is bitcoin audible and we have got tons on the way feel free to shoot me any questions or shoot me a dm on twitter i am at the guy swan on twits and uh yeah until then thanks so much for listening everybody take it easy guys You have been listening to Bitcoin Audible, a 111 production.
0: This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.